Blog Talk Radio. Hey kids, guess what? You get a two for one today. How ironic is this? About an hour ago, we were finishing up with Brian Benson, and here we are now again. Um, we're going to be speaking to Amy, and they'll forgive me, Amy. I'm probably doing this very wrong. Shojay, um, and we're going to find out how to pronounce that actually. Not only is she a best selling author, but she also happens to be a pet behaviorist, a radio show host, musician, actor. I mean, the woman has more titles than I can even think of myself. We're going to get a chance to talk to her about her personal life today. We're going to speak about uh, pets, her books, all of her various endeavors, including her blog, of course, which is Bling Bitches and Blood, which I find rather interesting. Her plays, her newsletter, just a little bit of everything. So I'm very excited to be hosting Amy on the show today. Um, huge shout out before I forget. Um, as we start, Dana Humphrey um, is, of course, her publicist, one of the best and the most amazing people to work with. She has some of the best clients, some of the best people to deal with, and I'm very, very blessed to know her. So thank you so much, Dana, for orchestrating this uh, interview for us today on this lovely Friday afternoon. Once again, I don't want to forget about Brian Benson, throwing a shout-out to you really super fast, how much I appreciate your appearance on the show this morning, um, or should I say this afternoon? hard to keep track when you're doing multiple shows in one day. Sorry, I can only cram in so much all at one time. So we're doing the best that we can with what we have to work with today. So yes, I'm looking forward to this. I'm hoping that it will be a wonderful opportunity to learn a whole bunch about things I don't know. So without further ado, let's get Amy on the line and start talking. Amy, hi. Hi, how are you? I am managing for a Friday afternoon. Um, This is probably going to be one of the highlights of my day. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it's kind of on a downward slide right now, so we're going to go up. This interview is going to put us to a maximum capacity happy today, I'm hoping, and I'm hoping for you, too. Sounds fantastic. We'll do our best. Yes, exactly. There's so much ground to cover here, so I kind of – usually I try to start my interviews by going to basics to begin with, of course. Um, I want to kind of let the average listener know a little bit about where you came from and then go to the point of where you are today, obviously. Um, I know that you formerly lived in Indiana, now living in Texas, of course. Um, You're such an introspective individual because you have so many things that are going on. So why don't you first start out and talk to us a little bit about how you gathered your adoration for the pets, our little furry friends. At what age did that all start? What prompted you to want to get into this area of expertise being a pet behaviorist? Oh, golly. Well, my my mom said that when I was uh, a little girl that – uh, I never played with baby dolls, that I always played with stuffed animals, puppy dogs and kitty cats. And she used to tell her friends, when when Amy grows up, she's not going to have babies. She's going to have lots of puppies and kitties. And my mom was right. Uh, so I think it was always I just had a, a real affinity for the animals. Um, I would, uh, my, my uh, maternal grandmother uh, was on a farm, and so we could go there and, and uh, visit all of the dogs and the and the cats and the chickens and the horse and the pig and all of that. And so it was just a wonderful childhood being able to interact with uh, nature and with animals. And uh, I kind of fell into the writing part of it. I was uh, when I was first married, uh, we lived in Eastern Kentucky, and there were no jobs available. I had uh, uh, graduated college with a music and theater major which was kind of interesting. Not a lot of jobs out there for that in eastern Kentucky. And right. uh, a, a young veterinarian who had grown up in the area had just graduated and come back home and opened a vet clinic. And I interviewed for the job. Um, the interview took place during a Chihuahua C-section. And I think um, 
partly because I didn't pass out during the interview. He's asking me questions and handing me puppies to resuscitate during this interview. Uh, I got the job, and as they say, the rest the rest was history. That was kind of the starting point, and I was off and running. I'd always loved dogs and cats, but that gave me a real wonderful uh, close-up opportunity to to see more about the inner workings of veterinary science, the behavior, mm-hmm. all of that good stuff. Oh, okay. I understand. And, and obviously for those of us, and I'm a new pet owner, so forgive me for my ignorance with some of these questions. Um, when we first start out getting a pet, one of the first things that we're always doing, I think most of us is, is natural human beings, even with people we do this. We try to start observing certain behaviors, watching certain behaviors, and wondering what they mean. So I guess as a behaviorist, my first question to you is, um, what's a what's a definitive trigger sign outside of the obvious screaming, moaning, you know, obvious calls for help? How, is there a way that we can sense when our pets are not getting what they need from us? Oh, I think there's a number of, of ways that our pets signal to us. Uh, they're they're certainly not human, but they're also very, very savvy. They pay exquisite attention to their environment and to the important aspects of their lives. And their human companions are probably, if not the most, then one of the most important factors. Meaning, oh boy, I'm not hearing anything, kids. Are you hearing anything? Hello? Uh-oh. I'm not quite so sure if we have lost. Oh, no. <laughs> I sure hope not because I'm not hearing Amy. Is anybody else happy to hear her? I know we were starting to have this conversation, and now she's mysteriously not here. Oh, no. Well, I hope she comes back to me. For some strange reason, we seem to have lost her. Some of you are here and listening in, obviously. One of the things that we had started to talk about is um, Amy is obviously a pet behaviorist. And so the purpose of one of the purposes of what they do is obviously monitor behavior and things of that sort. So we are sitting and talking about warning signs or signals that aren't necessarily outward signs and signals about uh, how we can tell whether or not there's an actual issue with our pet without them having to scream and cry to us, which makes obvious sense. Let's see if we can get Amy back on the line here. Hi, Amy. Hello, something happened and that I was, was suddenly strange. gone. Right. I know, I was sitting and I was talking to you and I heard you say something about a relationship or some something and I'm like, hello, hello, and I'm like, oh my God, I hope she comes back to me. So here you are. So we were talking about, as I was telling the audience, just maybe ways that we, how they're communicate, how our pets communicate to us without having to obviously cry or do some of the more obvious signs of distress. Right. A lot of it just comes down to a change in what is normal behavior for your cat or dog. So if you if you know what their habits are, if they the cat always wakes you at a certain time, the dog always greets you at the door when you come home, and then one day that doesn't happen. That's kind of a wake up call that something is not right. You know, if they don't eat the food that they always love, or they aren't interested in playing with the uh, the toy or the game that they adore. So really, those are kind of the subtle signs. For cats, often it's just a matter they kind of hide, and they will hide under the bed. They'll stop interacting with you. Um, 
dogs are more obvious about it. They they will come up to you and hold a paw and say, "Mom, it hurts," you know. So, but cats are very very subtle about these things. Partly that has to do with how they evolved. You know, for cats to show any kind of um, being hurt or disabled or uh, you know not feeling well, that's a signal to predators that, hey, easy pickings here. So they've learned to hide it. And it's, it can be difficult for, for cat owners to pay attention and notice until it becomes really obvious for cats. Sure. Dogs, not quite so much. And I think our social system with dogs is much more similar, so we're more kind of tuned into to how dogs act and react around us. Oh, certainly, definitely, without a doubt. And, you know, what I find interesting, too, I've noticed that um, – interaction between animals, which is the second thing I wanted to ask you about, when you are dealing with either different species, meaning cat and dog, versus, you know, having two dogs, I've noticed, uh, and maybe it's just my household, but I've had a cat and a dog together, and I can guarantee that the cat is just frightened of the dog, and then I've had two cats get together, and of course, they're, you know, literally fighting, literally, they just went for the jugular, so I find it interesting that predatory, talk to us a little bit about how predatory, predatory, I should say, animals can be and if there's a way to kind of counteract that and maybe kind of make them more for lack of a better term i want to say mellow if that makes sense to you but it just seems as though i've noticed the dynamic is they are predator first and foremost does that make sense to you well you know dogs and cats evolved they're both they're both predators uh so you know the ancestral um forebear of dogs is uh you know wolves and with cats, cats are much more closer to their um, their origins. I mean, the wild cats and everything. Cats are just kind of scaled down models of that. All of those predatory instincts are still there. But what happens sure. is, you know, dogs and cats also are very social creatures. The issue mm-hmm. is bringing in another animal that's not already part of their family group, of their social group. The instinct is kick out the stranger because this is a threat to me. They're going to eat my food. They're going to maybe kill my my offspring. So that is an instinctual right. behavior, maybe not even predatory, but more protective of their turf, of the things that are important to them. So, uh, you know, dogs and cats both, we, we talk about a socialization period in puppies and in kittens, and this is the time period when they're little sponges, and that's the period would they learn what is safe, what is dangerous. Uh, they're going to cue off of what their, their mother does. So if the, mom, if the mom dog likes cats and gets along with them and the puppies see that, they're going to be more likely to get along well with cats and vice versa. If the cat gets along well with dogs, her kittens are going to see that and be more uh, able to accept that. Um, okay. Cats tend to want to uh, keep strangers out more than dogs. Dogs typically are a little bit more accepting, but cats can take a long, long time to accept a stranger. I call it stranger danger, and it's like anybody (laughs) doesn't smell like me, looks funny, I want them out of my house. Sure. Understandable completely. No, it makes a lot of sense to me. I just always was often curious about that because, you know, a lot of times animals, you just always, especially the smaller animals, we always think they don't really have a predatory nature to them because they're smaller and all that good stuff. But I'm so surprised and amazed what my cat does around my house. I'm learning something about her every day. You know what I mean? It's just a learning process, I think. 
Well, so and I, I think also, you. you know, for small pocket pets and those types of things, the cat, of course, is going to, you know, want to go after the gerbil or the or the the fish in the tank or you know anything that is going right. to move, and that's that's very instinctual. And certain breeds of dogs too are going to want to go after that scurrying cat that looks like a varmint. I mean, terriers are notorious; they're bred to go after varmints. So you bring a little kitten in and that could be it could be a little tricky it's all in takes um you know step by step introductions give them lots of really good um benefits to having the other pet around wonderful toys or treats that they can do you know kitty caviar for the cat is one of the favorites the canine fat free treats for the dogs both of those by the way you can get at um the pethealthystore.com which is you know, has a lot of great products. But if you associate the cats and the dogs, the new ones, with a benefit for the resident pet, and every time he mm-hmm. comes around, you say, oh, look, it's a cookie cat, and the dog gets a treat. You know, if right. suddenly he's going to look at sure. the cat and he's going to say, okay, pay me, pay me, give me a treat. Right. No, I understand I do. Now, I, I want to switch back here. I know that... As you had mentioned, you obviously, of course, studied theater at the Gaston College. So I wanted to ask you, um, all of your studies and education relative to um, your pet behavior side of things, where did you attain that from and when did that occur? Uh, that's uh, it's when, when, I, when I became uh, started working for the veterinarian uh, and worked as a veterinary technician with him, assisted with surgeries, with diagnostics, um, and a lot of that had, it was on the job training, but also quite a bit of self-study um, as well. What I found was that veterinarians are so passionate about what they're doing. They, they get into it because they love animals. They want to help animals. But oftentimes they're also super, super busy, and they don't have time to explain maybe in the language that us regular folk can understand. So I started... Um, kind of taking on some of those responsibilities in my job as a vet tech to explain about fleas and flea treatment and ticks and preventing some of these these issues with cats and dogs and um, mm-hmm. translating some of the medicalese terms into language the rest of us can understand. And as a result of that, I started writing about some of the experiences. I had these wonderful, fun experiences at the vet clinic, you know, dogs that escaped their their carrier, their, their the crate, and got out on the roof of the vet clinic and escaped, and you know, and how that happened, and pets that had diabetes, and how you, the signs of diabetes in, in the cat, and how that almost lost his, him his home until they figured out what was going on, and the diagnosis and the treatment, and saving the pet. I wanted to share that with a wider audience and as a result I ended up writing for the pet press and in order to get the best information I not only interviewed the veterinarians that I worked for but I called the experts all over the country sometimes all over the world and began to do a lot of self-study interviewing other veterinarians attending veterinary conferences and eventually uh, becoming a certified animal behavior consultant for both cats and dogs through the International Association of Animal mm-hmm. Behavior Consultants, and that's at iaabc.org. Okay. okay, gotcha. Okay, so that gives us some backstory as far as that goes and such. 
Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and, and talk about um, the theater, because obviously not everybody who, most people who are listening in for the first time today really know very little about you. So I try to be very introspective and get to every single part of it in an element of your life. So you obviously studied theater, and I obviously know that you have a longtime um, partner that you co-authored with, Frank Steele, of course, and produced some plays, etc. So I'd like to know how you got integrated into theater for the very first time, and tell me uh, what acting does for you as a person, meaning how it makes you a better person um, from a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint. What does that whole experience bring to your life? Well, as as you mentioned, I, I attended Goshen College in northern Indiana. It's a, it's a mu- very fine music school, and my uh, both of my parents were educators, both teachers, career teachers, 45 years and um, beyond, and I was adamant that I was not going to be a teacher, anything but a teacher, <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, just as a a, a frustrated uh, young person, and I fell in love with the music and the performance and started... Um, you know, choir in high school and then theater in high school. We had a really fine um, theater program and was able to combine my loves. I, believe it or not, I was very shy as a child, and theater gave me such confidence. And I learned that by becoming another character, I was no longer afraid of people making fun of me or looking at me askance because I could always say, hey, that's the character, that's not really me and became very involved in community theater. Uh, and so when I went to college, uh, I, I became, I, I couldn't really choose, so I became a performance major, uh, studied opera, um, and did theater. Uh, and as um, a graduate of that, you know, with a, a BA in um, performance, it was interesting because it was difficult for me then to find a job other than the fact mm-hmm. that I was very articulate, I was able to, to speak in public very well. And uh, that gave me a huge advantage when I did finally start writing and speaking. It just carried over into that. And so it was interesting for me in the past few years, you know, I returned to my love of theater and combined the theater, the music, and the writing, and the pets all came mm-hmm. together in projects that I've uh, written with um, with Frank Steele. We have um, right. Strays the Musical, which incorporates it's another av- avenue to get good information out there about pets and their behavior and how they lose their homes, usually out of normal behaviors, how we can get them back into home from the voice of the cats and the dogs themselves. So it was a very exciting process. Oh, I imagine so. Not to mention the fact, of course, uh, and most oftentimes people tell me this, Doing work in theater versus doing work on television versus doing work on, you know, big, big screen production. I'm sorry, I'm it's, having trouble hearing you. Can you hear me now? Is that I'm better? I'm, that's a little Hello? better, yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. That's strange. I don't know why we're having so many technical difficulties today. This is frustrating. <laughs> um in in the in the theater sense, obviously, I imagine it must be very thrilling for you because you can get that immediate gratification when you do something in play form. It's in a theater, so you automatically know if your audience enjoys your product, enjoys what you do. Whereas, if someone purchases a book, for instance, you're not quite certain as to where they stand um, or if they appreciate your work. Does that make sense? Yes, it's it's interesting because as as an author, many authors, you know, we sit in our little room and we send it out our 
our book, our little baby out there into the world. And often you don't get the right. feedback, or at least not the immediate feedback. But yes, when you have um, a performance and they are singing the song and the orchestration is playing that you've written and produced and they're saying the words and the audience gives you immediate feedback and you see them laughing at the right places and applauding the performance and crying even. I mean, it's it's an amazing feeling and it's it's something that you really don't get in any other venue. And I've done a lot of of television, a lot of radio, and I love doing that as well. But mm-hmm. again, your audience is, you know, is beyond your ken. You don't get that immediate feedback. So it's very nice to have the immediate, the audience right there. We, when we did Strays, and this was about the third show we had done, we uh, we workshopped it first and did a preview audience and had the audience actually give us feedback and say what they liked or if there were questions, that type of thing. So you you can work it that way. And when I'm writing a book, I have beta readers often that read before the book is published so that if there are oh. any questions, that uh, can be addressed before it goes out to the to the public. Yes, definitely. I agree with you there as far as that goes. And now I, I guess I'm curious to ask you, down the road, are we going to be seeing more plays or theater productions? Is that something that's high in the priority list for you? Oh, yes, absolutely. I would love to. In fact, uh, Frank and I do have an idea that we've been kind of bandying about, but uh, he's, he's having to wait for me because I have another, the third book in my um, thriller series is due very shortly, right. so I'm trying to wrap that up. And then the audio books, ah. and I've got a couple more nonfiction books in the works, and of course, I'm also a spokesperson for the Pet Healthy Store, so my work there is very right. important to me. Uh, folks can go there and actually send me a behavior question. The Ask Amy session is on the website if people have specific cat or dog questions. Yep, I was just going to get to that point. So since we're on it, let's talk a bit about two different questions relative to the Pet Healthy Stores. First of all, as you mentioned, you are a spokesperson for this particular company. So I wanted to ask you how you aligned yourself with them, meaning they came to you, you came to them, how your partnership and or relationship formatted or formulated. And then second of all, as far as the Ask Amy area, um, talk to people about if I were to ask you, is there such an area as, Amy is specialized in as it relates to pet behavior. Talk to us a little bit about that and then how often um, Ask Amy is done, or actually how often can they ask questions. Okay. Um, let's see. What, what, was your, what was your first question? I'm sorry. The initial question was how you oh, actually how they uh, formed me? an alliance with them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was um, – actually, I had uh, been writing for um, – an online company, and I had a colleague there who had an association with um, with the Perfect Litter company, and uh, she she had uh, introduced me to the gentleman that uh, was was running everything and getting you know putting together. They were starting a new initiative with this, and as it turned out, uh, I live just north of Dallas. He lives in Dallas, and so we met and hit it off, and it seemed like it was going to be a good partnership. I took a look at their products, and this is, I love the company because anything that's on the Pet Healthy store has to have my approval first. So I bring it home, I check it out, have my my German Shepherd Magic 
check it out. He's a huge fan of the fat-free treats, even though he's, you know, his waistline is cool. By the way, today is his ninth birthday, so he's going to have, he's going to have a celebration later. And then I have an, oh. an 18-year-old cat, and I have a two-year-old cat. So they all get to test oh anything. And uh, wow. so I really liked that aspect of it. And as far as the Ask Amy questions, that's pretty much on demand. I can't really go into a great deal of detail on those uh, just because every pet is different. And often the questions that come through, they come through in a form and there's not enough background. There's not enough details. Uh, and also, I'm not a veterinarian, so I can't prescribe medicine. I can't sure. diagnose over the Internet. So, um, sure. you know, it's, it's fine. I can give uh, a lot of good, solid general information or refer people to, to one of the books. And they can, they can send questions as often as they, as they like. Um, as far nice. as specializing, um, Probably the most common topics that uh, I have questions about have to do with um, cat, cat uh, litter box issues and um, inter, inter-cat and inter-dog uh, behaviors where they're not getting along or um, you know, the, the, the dog is barking too much, um, some, of, some of those kind of aggravating types of things. Right. Um, you know, aggression issues are a big deal, but I have to be careful again with those. Those often I will try and refer somebody to an expert in their area who can actually go into their home and work one-on-one with them. Some things you can okay. deal with over the inter- you know over the internet with with Q and A or a phone call, and other things are are best addressed uh, in person so that you can actually right. see and witness the dynamic and see the house and everything. Oh, understandable, of course. Now, um, the next topic I wanted to cover, of course, is talk about your website, of course. There's a couple of different components uh, that I picked off of there that I find to be interesting that might intrigue other individuals there. First of all, talk to us about the benefits of the newsletter that you offer, because I know on the website that you actually do a newsletter, so tell the folks what that's about um, and how often that comes out, et cetera. Yes, Pet Peeves newsletter. I've been doing this for a number of years, and... Usually it comes out uh, monthly, sometimes oftener if I've got a lot of things going on, and it basically will uh, include some uh, information about recent blogs that have to do with cat uh, and dog behavior or care issues, for instance. I think I've had something recently uh, talking about hot weather concerns and, you know, if you've got a... Uh, a dog that's that's overheating and what you can do for first aid, some of those kinds of things. And then also, of course, announcements about appearances and book signing events or the new book that's coming out. Okay. I just came back uh, from New York City, or New York City, the um, Thriller Fest event, and um, yep. I was a speaker there and signed books. And it was it's a wonderful time where you get to meet all of mm. your your uh, wonderful best. Uh, book authors that you just love to read and, and kind of hobnob with them. So Pet Peeves, you can go to the, um, the shajai.com or the amyshajai.com blog and find the place where you can subscribe. It's free. You can unsubscribe anytime you want. And I also give away books every once in a while, so that's a lot of fun. 
Nice. Very, very nice. That sounds very exciting, actually. Something I would probably partake in uh, along those lines. Sounds wonderful. Um, of course, have to ask this question. Blog is entitled Bling Bitches in Blood, which I find very yeah. ironic. I'm like, first of all, what a cool title. I was like, oh, my God, I have to ask her. First off, where did that come from? Uh, I am known for my bling. If you notice the the uh, yes. the picture at the very top of the website, has all kinds of different jewelry. A lot of it is animal related, but I'm I'm very much known for the jewelry that I wear. It's kind of part of my brand. Um, and one of the pe- one of the pieces that I wear a lot is a rhinestone brooch that spells out number one bitch. And I got that oh. uh, one time when I, I was at the Westminster Kennel Club dog show, and there was a display there. And, of course, in the dog show arena, you want to be the number one bitch. It's like the, the male dog is the dog. So the best in show, if it's a dog, he's the best dog. If it's a bitch, it's the number one bitch. So it's, in my world, that is a compliment, you sure don't want to be number two. You want to be number one. Right. And then, of course, of course, the blood part of it, the blood part of it is the thrillers that I write. And the thrillers right. include an animal behaviorist who is the, um, the main character, and she has post-traumatic stress disorder and is partnered with a service dog. And some of the chapters are written in the dog's viewpoint, and people are loving that. I have such fun writing those. Oh, I imagine so, definitely. Now, which intrigues you more? And obviously, of course, I'm gathering that you must be a fan of the, um, not, I don't want to say sci-fi, but actual just fan of uh, vampires, et cetera, that whole genre um, to where you combine both passions. Is that kind of where that came from? Because I'm like, that's got to be difficult writing to do. Well, I don't really do the vampires or the science fiction. I do thrillers, which is a kind of a, it's like a, like a mystery on steroids. So a mystery, okay. you have a puzzle. Somebody dies at the beginning, and you try to figure out who the killer is all the way through. With a thriller, somebody dies at the beginning, you know who did it, but the puzzle is why did they do it and how are you going to stop them? And it's usually a kind of a ticking clock thing. So... Um, there, there are a lot of, lot of thriller writers out there um, that, that do this. Some of, some of my favorites, um, you know, Kathy Reichs uh, is, is a wonderful, wonderful writer. There are, there are a lot of people that do this very, very well. Uh, Harlan Coven is another wonderful writer. Um, and, you know, Michael Palmer was one of my favorites. He's, he's no longer with us. His son Daniel now is carrying that on. J.T. Ellison, just I'm looking at my bookshelf here, and, I, you know, John Sanford, sure, I've got everything, James Patterson. These are all people that are known as thriller writers. Okay, I've got you. I get it. And I, and I just I have such an admiration for all different genres and different, you know, because obviously, of course, most of the writing I do now is my own show, and I've done, you know, four other books. But it's interesting to see people crossing into other genres and, and how they do a twist to it like you have, which I find very intriguing. Um one of the components I wanted to mention, another one I should say about your website is is that I noticed that you offer an area where other individual places have an opportunity to do sponsorship via your blog, meaning um, PR and sponsorship. So if you would, talk a little bit about um, how individuals can get involved in that particular um, area that you offer. 
Sure. Usually that has to do with um, uh, pet product companies that want uh, a review of their new product or writing about a particular uh, event that they're sponsoring, those types of things. And a lot of the bloggers are doing that now. My particular niche happens to be cat and dog products and behavior issues. So uh, that's that's something. And I, and I get a lot of, of requests. I get a lot of um, emails from folks that just want a lot of free publicity. And I just don't have time anymore. I don't have time to do my sure. own thing. So I've had to... Uh, come to the conclusion that if it's a product that I'm passionate about, if it's something that I really feel will help uh, my pets or other people's pets, if it's something of great interest to the people who read my blog, those are kind of the criteria there. I mean, if it's something I don't believe in, I don't care how much you're going to pay me, I'm not going to write about it. So it's, um, you know, it's very specific and, um, you know, if people are interested, contact me and talk to me about it. I'm I'm happy to to discuss this. But most most of the professional bloggers these days they don't do it for free. I mean, even even to get free treats, you know, you could the, the dogs love it, but it doesn't pay the rent. So. <laughs> oh no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I agree with you. No, and I know what you mean. And nowadays, that is kind of how it is. You you just once you become much more successful and involved with so many different ventures, it's hard to spread yourself across. I totally understand what you mean as far as that goes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the personal side of you because obviously, of course, Amy is more than just all of her various business ventures just like the rest of us all are. So these are some of the observations I've noticed about you and just kind of creeping around and, and researching you. Obviously, of course, you are uh, you are married. I've noticed that she has a great disdain, so she states, for both phone solicitation and chain letters. I learned that by reading. I love the fact that um, the cat name, Karma, absolutely love that. I think that's phenomenal. I noticed that you make <laughs> a regular habit out of u- utilizing the treadmill, which I give you kudos for because I can't even get my butt to a gym, let alone everything else. Um, obviously, I also gather you're a wine fan, too. I noticed that, too. I'm like, oh, she had this posting up about wine. I love her already. So my oh, question yeah. to you is, because of the fact that you're involved with so many ventures, tell us if it becomes a challenge, because you obviously have your own pets and such, how do you maintain a proper balance between helping the rest of the world with their pets and managing your own life and pets? It's hard. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've basically, I try, I try really diligently now to make Sunday a no work day. You know, I'm, it used to be, I, you know, I get up in the morning, I would work before I went to church, come home, and I would work again. I try really, really hard just to shut everything down and do nothing that day except family and pets. Um, I also, sure. my, my husband, uh, when he comes home, I try, he, he also has his own business, and this is kind of his slow time of year. So if he comes home at 3.30 or 4 instead of 5.30 or 6, I try to cut out early. Also, okay. Um, now, sure. if I have a deadline, all bets are off, and I will work, you know, the fifteen, eighteen-hour days to get it done. So I've I've been known to work, you know, twenty-four, um, thirty hours straight to to meet a deadline. I don't advise that, and I'm a little better now about getting things done early enough. I don't have oh, to sure. hold those those things, but it's it's difficult. I think in order for you to stay both emotionally and physically healthy, you have to do that. And that's, that's part of the, 
why I'm doing the um, the treadmill because I have a desk treadmill, so I can walk and do treadmill while oh, I'm working. Generally, that's that's like it. a 35 to 45, sometimes an hour every morning while I'm answering emails, um, you know, oh. or editing something. Uh, and it takes a okay. while to get used to doing that. But I'm in North Texas when it's 100 degrees outside. I can't go out and walk. So in the morning, we take the dog out when it's cool, let him play. Uh, the dog, it's great because the dog lets me know when I need to take a break because he does, you know, and I don't want yellow sure. carpet, so we go take a run. But <laughs> it's, sure. it's, it is difficult, but I think you just have to make those priorities. Of course. No, I agree with you 100% because obviously your your family, your all everything at home is your base. So clearly it goes without saying that you have to have proper time, proper balance, proper management, and help when need be, of course, certainly. Um, ironically, earlier you had mentioned, of course, Pet Peeves, the newsletter. So I want to talk a bit about um, the Pet Peeves radio show because um, I always find it interesting to talk to someone who's done radio before because I've only been doing it for three years, and I'm, and I'm curious if you favor – Radio show versus acting versus um, going to your expos and things like that whatsoever. You know, are you comfortable behind the radio, so to speak, versus some people enjoy being physically in front of other people, actually meeting their pets, meeting them? Are you more introverted, extroverted in that regard? Tell me a little bit about that and, of course, the radio show itself. Well, the radio show is on a hiatus. Um, the, the shows are still oh. up there. I did around... I think close to 100. I think there's like 90 or something shows up there. Okay. But it, it was okay. Was one of those one of those things where something had to give. I write a weekly newspaper column. I do my own blog. I do two blogs a week for the Pet Healthy Store. I do um, what else do I do? Well, my my Facebook, the you know the Pet Peeves newsletter, all of this stuff, and then my books. Something had to give, and and I'm sure you doing this this radio show. You prepare. It takes time. It's not just. Right sitting down and yes. starting to talk. And so um, yes. you know, I enjoyed it. I really, really liked it. Um, I love doing oh, nice. radio. I love doing TV. The um, okay. The uh, theater is is wonderful. Uh, it it's just takes it takes a lot of time because generally right. speaking, you are, uh, from the time you audition or, or your people or you rehearse, that's a you know a four to six week process before you ever do the performance, um, so that that takes a lot of time. I was gone nearly every weekend in May. I was home during June, oh and God. I just got back from a trip in July. I love traveling. I love being there. I'll take that back. I hate traveling now, <laughs> but I love being there. I'm energized by being in these groups, but then I'm exhausted. So I have to pace myself. I mean, there's Super Zoos is coming up this week. Last week was AVMA conference, and I had to forego both of those because I had deadlines. There's sure. there's not enough hours in the day. I love doing it all, and that's maybe that's bad because if I didn't, maybe I would focus more and get more things done in one arena instead of being so scattered. But it's hard for me to choose. Sure. I love I love dogs and cats. I can't choose. Gotcha. Perfectly understandable, and that's obviously a true animal lover in you, which is very, very inspiring. Um, we want to talk about this. Obviously, of course, as Amy just mentioned, she's kind of pulled and tugged in, in all sorts of directions. 
I know before, obviously, that you've made appearances on places like, obviously, you've been featured on the Today Show, the New York Times, Reader's Digest, Family Circle, CNN, to name just a few, obviously. Um, what I want to know about that in that particular uh, regard is this. Um, when you first started out doing all of these various ventures and such, there are some people in this world that do it just for the love of it, and they think, okay, well, if I happen to get a little exposure, I'll be excited about this or whatever. Or were you the type of person that started out and thought, I'm just going to keep chugging away and working. I'm going to get in every TV show, every newspaper, until everybody learns all these things that I know about pets and what I can pass on to them. So all this notoriety, is that something that's comfortable for you, or are you still trying to adjust to the, to the fame and acclaim that you're getting? Oh, I don't know that I'm fame and acclaim, really. I'm just kind of stuck back here in Texas in my room. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm the pet niche is um, is kind of a small. It's a small niche, so maybe I'm I'm a a big frog in a in a smaller pond. So I'm you know I'm known within my community, um, and that's taken. You know, I started my first. My first articles, my first pet articles were written, were published in the late 1980s. My first book came out in 1992. So this was not overnight. This is something that you do a little at a time, and you're so excited when you get that first byline and then the second one, and then somebody asks to interview you, and you're excited. Oh, I'm going to be an expert sure. quoted. This is wonderful. Uh, but it doesn't happen overnight, and I think – right. I think for those who are listening that have aspirations in whatever field, whether it's pets or whether it's writing or whether it's you know, swimming or gardening or whatever your passion is, just keep your ears and eyes open for those opportunities. And don't say no. You know, give yourself permission to, to jump off that cliff and say, yes, I know stuff. Yes, I'm going to share. And if you're right. passionate about it, the people that listen to you, that read your work, they're going to be passionate too. You can't help right. but respond to that. Um, really, don't say, you know, I, I don't say, oh, this isn't a big enough venue. Always say yes if you have the time. Now again, you have to couch it. So if you have, you know, make a choice between you know picking the kids up from school or whatever your your um, things are that you must get done. You may have to make some of those choices, but take advantage of those opportunities. You know, a lot of a lot of people. I had um, people that I didn't know that had uh, applied for a writers organi- organization we started over 20 years ago. It's called the Cat Writers Association, and they they weren't even published yet, and you had to be published. And they'd contact me and say, "I love cats, but I, and I want to be a member, but I haven't published yet. And what do I do?" I'd say contact your local uh, SPCA, your Humane Society. Most of them have a newsletter. They can't afford to pay people. They want writers. It's a great way to learn how to write, to figure out what what works, what doesn't. You get that publishing clip, and then based on that, then you can get paying assignments. The first first article that I ever got paid for was – an article about an Amazon parrot that I rescued from the vet clinic I was working at, uh, and I got paid $75 for it. And I thought I was hot stuff. It was wonderful. Mm. And they kept that article, and it was not published for three years. But, <laughs> but that's, that's where you start. That's where you start. And before that, I was published 
uh, in newspapers, never got paid. I still do a newspaper column. been doing the same newspaper column for um, close to 20 years now. I don't get paid for that. It's, it's a giving back to the community. I don't get paid any of the blog posts that I put up. It's giving back to the world at large. And, again, you may have people that read that, that like what you're doing, and contact you to do a guest lecture or to quote you on something. There's all these different ways you can, you can reach out to people. There was no Internet when I started writing. I feel like I'm really right. old. From the first <laughs> stuff I had, I wrote on a typewriter and you know, sent in snail mail. So it's wonderful, right. the opportunities that are out there now. Oh, without a doubt whatsoever, I, I agree 100%. And since, since you brought up the writing component, let's talk a bit about, I picked out two of the books, um, actually, that I wanted to address with you because, of course, obviously, like I said, uh, Amy has done just a number of different books that she's published. Two in particular I'd like you to talk to your listening audience about, which is Complete Kitten Care and Lost and Found. Tell them a little bit about both of those and when you did them, um, and have you found great success doing both of those? Uh, complete Kitten Care is... I call, I call that uh, my books that had nine lives, that originally I was busy doing a couple of other books, and my agent at the time um, told me, you know, I got, I got this offer to, to do a book about kittens. Um, the title was going to be Kittens for Dummies. And I was super busy at the time, and, and I didn't really want to do it. And she said, oh, but, but you know, you, know, you never say no, and... This is something that could, you know, take you further. It wasn't going to be pay an awful lot, but I didn't have to do a lot of research for it. So I did. I wrote the book, Kittens for Dummies, and I turned in the manuscript. And the company that was kitten for uh, the four dummies company was sold. Right. And the book was orphaned, which basically means I got a message saying, yeah, I know you turned it in. It's great. We're not going to publish it. We've just been sold. So I had already been I had already been paid for that book, and because they weren't publishing it, I got my rights back. So I turned around and I submitted it to another publisher who was already publishing some of my other books, and it became Complete Kitten Care that was published by Penguin Putnam, uh, which is New, New American Library under P- Penguin Putnam at that time. Um, and I was um, I was delighted. The book has a lot of um, photos that I took while I was on tour um, with a pet products company. So I was visiting a lot of, um, of uh, shelters and doing cat and kitten training demonstrations. I got a lot of wonderful pictures in the book. And after about four years, the, the book wasn't selling as well anymore, and they, they took it out of print. And so I talked with my agent, and she got the rights back for uh, Complete Kitten Care, and I sat on it for a while, and I didn't know what I was going to do with it, and then self-publishing came along, and I talked with some colleagues, and they encouraged me. They said, well, you've got your rights back. Why don't you try it? You know, bring it out on Kindle. Bring it out, you know, on the Nook. Bring it out on these, and so I did, and the beauty of the e-books is you can update it anytime you want. So that book has been updated two or three times. It's got a new, brand-new cover. It's my best-selling book. It's on all ebook formats. It's also in print, so you can order it in print as well. And I did it as an audio book, and it's selling well as an audio book. So I call this Ooh. the book that would not die. <laughs> and it's, it's had all of these different incarnations. And, you know, 
good kitten information never goes out of style. So people are still uh, buying that book, and I'm just enjoying it. In fact, it was so successful this past year, I brought out a companion uh, volume, Complete Puppy Care, because I figure we have to have equal time for the dog. So I've got a puppy care and a kitten care book. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you asked about Lost and Found. Yeah, Lost and Found is the... That is the first book in my thriller series, um, the September Day series, and she is the animal behaviorist, the dog trainer. That um, This is the book that I always wanted to read. I had never found a book that had all of the different aspects of it that I liked in a book. It's a thriller. It's got, um, it's got a very strong woman... Uh, hero it's got excitement spills and thrills and it's got dog viewpoint and no you know for years i wanted to write fiction didn't have time to and when i did try people would say oh you can't do a dog viewpoint that's for kids and i finally did it this way and people have loved it and since that time a lot of a lot of novelists actually are doing animal viewpoint but i'd never seen it done quite this way so my dog doesn't talk he has um you know it's it's his perspective but he he perceives the world as i imagine a dog would and that's through scent and sounds primarily some sight but you know he relies mostly on scent and sound so it's kind of fun because if he's in a scene and somebody picks up a telephone his hearing is such that he can hear both sides of the telephone conversation. So sure. the people in the scene may not know that, but the reader gets to hear both sides of the conversation. So it's almost putting the dog in the scene means I've got a superhuman character in there. It's a lot of fun. Gotcha. Well, we only have two things left to go here. My God, I can't even believe it's been almost an hour. It's amazing to me how you get on radio and just the time just comes and goes so quickly. It's just well, it's, it's nice when crazy. you just have a nice conversation with somebody. Right, exactly. And I try to make my guests feel very, very comfortable, and I'm like, yeah, I just want it to be a nice experience. So hopefully this has fared very well for you, I would hope. Uh, oh, there's yes, just two quick things fun. I want to go through. Well, thank you. Um, so I want you to listen in as I, as I read all of this off, and then I have one final question. I'll let you go. Um, to those of you that are listening in, let me just tell you how to find Amy everywhere, which is, um, let's start off by Facebook. She has a personal page, and she also has an author page. The website that we were talking about, www, and it's spelled S-H-O-J-A-I.com. She can also be found on Twitter by her name, and that's at Amy. Now, how do we pronounce your last name again? It's Shajai. Shajai. Okay, got it. Right. Um, you can all you can also look for her on various other places such as Barnes and Noble, YouTube, IMDb, Amazon, Goodreads, SoundCloud, LinkedIn, Kindle, Pinterest, and her actual website, www.amyshoje.com. So I, I have two listed here for some reason. Um, did I miss anything? Is there anywhere else where we can find you? Ah, uh, that's plenty. <laughs> I think you <laughs> well, found me to, everywhere. I <laughs> yes, I tried to. So this way that anybody that's listening in could find you after the fact, obviously, because it's very important. The last thing I want to leave the listeners with in our last five minutes or so here is I want you to talk about the only other thing that I think we haven't covered, which is some people may not know that you are considered a musician. 
So talk a little bit to the folks about musical, from a musical standpoint, what you're capable or versed in. Ah, well, I was I was a vocal major in school. Um, my dad was a music teacher, so I started piano lessons when I was in second grade and uh, okay. took piano for about 12 years. I took cello lessons starting in fifth grade and then fell in love with um, vocal performance. And so I do oh. all three of those. I still consider my major instrument um, as my voice, but I play um, you know, when I do theater, oftentimes I'm playing in the orchestra. I play cello in the orchestra. Um, nice. I do, I compose. Um, my co-writer and I on our, on our musicals, uh, we get together. He's a, he's a drummer. He's a brilliant drummer. So uh, we both have ideas. We, we work on the lyric together and discuss what style the music is going to be and come up with that. And I do the sure. orchestration and um, the uh, we have... Like a, a, I have a digital software that I can use and do full orchestrations with some really unique sounds. It's a lot of fun, and that way you don't have to hire musicians either, which makes sure. it a lot easier. So, um, oh, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful fun. Um, I like all kinds of music. So, we made a point when we did the Stray Show to have a variety of different styles. Everything from uh, calypso and country and western to um, Oh gosh, jazz and uh, rap. We had everything. We had everything, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. Of course, and at, luckily for you, you have some talent in the music area. That's like the only thing that I can't do. I'm like I, I always have such an admiration for individuals that know how to do music, etc. Because I just no clue how to do any of that. So kudos to you on that one too. I have to say, Amy, you've proven to be just an amazingly impressive woman. My hats off to you for all the ventures that you've done. This has been such a true joy to be able to host you this last hour. I really have enjoyed myself tremendously. And certainly keep me posted in terms of what goes on in your life, things that are upcoming, anything that you wish to promote. I would love to have you come back on the show again at another time if you'd like as well. Oh, I would love that. As, as I said, I'm working Yay. on the third book in the September oh. Day series. So I'll, oh, I'll let you know when definitely. that one comes out. Yeah, Certainly. Yes, definitely stay in touch with me. Thank you. Thank you so much again. And make sure you enjoy. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. And like I said, definitely keep in touch. And um, just to let you know, this episode will be archived within the hour. So anybody that wants to go back and listen that has it now can do so within the next hour. It'll be up and posted, and it'll be there till the end of time. <laughs> wonderful. Thanks so much for having oh, great. me. Great. All right, wonderful. Great. You have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon, Amy. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, kids, uh, once again, I want to throw out like 57 ways to find Amy because isn't she impressive already? Uh, her personal page and, of course, Amy Shujo, hopefully I got that right, the author page, www.amyshoje.com. Again, that's spelled S-H-O-J-A-I.com. She can be found on Kindle, Pinterest, LinkedIn, SoundCloud, Goodreads, Amazon, IMDb, Barnes & Noble, YouTube, um, and, of course, obviously, she has a Twitter handle, which is at Amy, spelled S-H-O-J-A-I. I want to say one more time, big, big thanks to Amy for coming on the show. As always, thank you so much to Dana Humphrey for orchestrating this. Big apology if you happen to be listening in. And Price, I'm so very sorry that we have to reschedule today's interview. Uh, Blog Talk Radio apparently will not accommodate having three guests on, three-hour-long shows, which 
frankly, it just sucks. I'm really frustrated. Um, as I mentioned previously today, if you want to find out about next week's schedule of shows, you have to watch The Wall this coming weekend because I have to get some actual final confirmations before I post up next week. I want to say thank you so much one more time for all the birthday wishes, everybody listening in, for your support, your encouragement, your prayers, and your love. Thanks again this week, um, and we'll talk to you next week Wednesday, but stay posted for updates. Thanks.